Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Welcome back, everyone. Happy Friday. I wonder what you're up to. Are you uh, going on a gun season hunt? I think there's still a gun season going on here in Iowa. Um, Not quite late muzzy yet. I'm going to be hunting late muzzy this year. Um, uh, Maybe you're going pheasant hunting or maybe you're just going to hang out with, uh, you know, your significant other's family for the holidays, whatever it is. Glad you're tuning in to this podcast. I hope you will find it helpful. And uh, I think today the main thing it'll help you, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some good tips in here and stuff that helps, but I think it's just going to help you stay awake while you're driving. We're going to have a great time talking. I'm joined again by Ronnie Hemsworth. Um, Ronnie is a local guy. If you listen to the most recent Pick and Bones episode, you could hear him uh, there talk about kind of the difference between uh, muleys and whitetails. And uh, we talk about which is cooler and uh, weigh in on that debate a little bit and go down a few other rabbit trails. Um, but had a great conversation with him. Now we're going to talk uh, about his um, 2023 mule deer hunt. Uh, he went on in uh, Colorado, I believe. And uh, so you'll get to hear that story. But I want to start off with this conversation because Ronnie has a unique job, but he's not the first person to have this job that's been on this podcast. I think I've had maybe one or two other guys on this podcast that are pastors. And uh, so Ronnie is a pastor. Um, I guess, you know, if you're like uh, from the old West, you might say preacher. If you're from, uh, um, I don't know where, maybe like Canada, you could say reverend. Um, what else is there? There's a man of the cloth. <laughs> I don't know what else. There's all, there's like a million things. I, you know what my favorite one is that's related to that? And I, but I think it's specific to like, uh, the Catholic church. I just love it. Vicar, you know, yeah. like you, you just say it with some kind of like English accent, Vicar, you know, <laughs> It's, you sound like slightly perturbed when you say it, but, yeah. but, uh, what, you know, pastor is really what most people go by around this, this region. But, um, Ronnie, you're a pastor though, and you're a pastor who hunts. And, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, you can kind of see how like certain jobs, um, t- you know, how they tie into hunting, whether good or bad. I've noticed that there's a lot of people in the uh, hunting media space who uh, pour concrete for a, for a living because they're like the bulk of the work is done by, you know, deer season. And you don't do too much concrete work, you know, uh, into the into the winter and, and so forth. And so it works well for hunting. But being a pastor, that's a different job. That's a it's not really the service industry technically, but it kind of is like, you're always there for people. You're always on call. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got to imagine that sometimes 
being a pastor who is crazy about hunting, like those things don't go well together sometimes. Is that is that like a false perception or like like just talk a little bit about some of those pressures? Yeah, to- just well, everybody experiences maybe challenges the the word to use versus their work and and other life things uh, when you when you really enjoy hunting you want right, to maximize yeah. opportunity and you know a couple months that you get and i suppose pastors unique uh but it probably even within pastors they have different expectations that are, are thought of them but uh, i guess like you said on one hand you're pretty much always on call so right, i've been yeah. going out to hunt or been hunting and you know somebody I was going to ask you this. You've been you've I, had I, a hunt I interrupted. Had a couple where I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta help somebody. Yeah. You know, or there's an opportunity, you know, <laughs> that's more important than hunting. Yeah. Um, but also, there's a little bit more flexibility, mm-hmm. at least in in my expectations. Uh, yeah. Have, have you ever, have you ever done like a? You know what? See this cold front coming in on like Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, or, you know, so, and, and so be I like, get, I'm going to work four hours yeah. Wednesday, but I'm going to work like 12 hours today. <laughs> you ever do that? Yeah. Not probably to that extreme, but the, so my schedule, I take Thursdays off. Okay. Uh, obviously I yeah. work on Sundays. Uh, so, but I'm kind of allowed to float that if I need to. Sure. So, you know, if that cold front's coming, that's a need to float it, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, so it, it's like, it's a salary position. There's hourly expectations too. Uh, but uh, there is some flexibility and the, the kind of maybe a unique thing that does afford me, you know, a lot of the times when I'm hunting might be in the week instead mm-hmm. of like Saturday night. I, you know, I don't often hunt or yeah, if I do, it's sure. like really close to home where I could handle right processing something and not stay up half the night before right. responsibilities so yeah it's it's i don't know you you found a way to, you adapt. to navigate it yeah. yeah yeah that's good that's good yeah I, I always wonder about that you know pastors and when i was a teacher the same th- i mean not really in the hunting realm although an interesting thing when i my last year of teaching, my only year of teaching in Iowa, um, that year, the state of Iowa had public school districts have their teachers sign a document acknowledging that our act, our online activity, if it caused a disruption to what goes on at school so and by online activity i meant i mean social media posting if it caused a big enough disruption as to what goes on at school so like let's say i shot uh you know a deer it was one of those nasty pictures you know tongues, tongues all hanging out blood everywhere you know just like one of those, like it's going to get under people's skin a little bit, you know, like maybe big bubbling blood yeah. ball on the side of it or something leaking out its nose and everything. <clears throat> um, you, if there was enough of a stink raised, your job was, you were acknowledging when you signed this paper that your job was, was, um, you know, in jeopardy mm-hmm. if, if that happened. And, uh, 
So I guess in a way there was some pressure and they didn't talk about hunting specifically. I asked, you know, I was yeah. a new teacher. I'm like, Hey, what? And I didn't use hunting that. specifically, yeah. but I was like, what if I caught like a giant trout? Yeah. And I show the picture of the trout and, you know, someone's, uh, you know, one of the parents is like, you know, the CEO of PETA or something. Yeah. And they, they, uh, see me holding this giant trout and they raise a stink. Am I going to be in trouble? And the answer I got was, well, really what they're looking for is, is there a pattern of you being an idiot? And this is going to be the, this is going to be the nail in your coffin. Right. You know, we're going to, you know, we can come after you with this. And so, but all I'd say, there's still some, some pressures there when you're in the service spotlight. But yeah. I think especially for pastors, when you have a time consuming outside activity or hobby, um, like you gotta be careful with that. Yeah. Well, and, and like a weird thing about being a pastor is who's your boss? Yeah. Right. Okay, so, so yeah, you answer to the church and there's usually a leadership structure there and, and usually somewhat to the people. Uh, um, but then you also answer to God. So there's a pretty mm -hmm. high standard there, you know. That's true. But, but also, <laughs> like you, like as a school teacher, you represent the school. Yep. And what they're trying to do. And as a pastor, you represent uh, the church there too. So, yeah, you do try to be careful. Yep. And you kind of, um, I grew up actually as a pastor's kid. And so there's there's kind of like a a, a layer of, of just thinking. Yeah. Okay, well, how's this going to reflect that? was kind of already built into me from that uh, experience growing up but yeah yeah it, it's an interesting thing and you know i should have talked about this with noel gandy which you really need to meet noel he's a pastor down in uh um southwest iowa and uh, i won't say where exactly in southwest iowa but <laughs> but uh here's his coordinates d d d yeah d down there somewhere and uh uh, Noel is, is, uh, as good as they come. And, uh, I'm sure, you know, it's something he, he's never really said this to me, but I, I imagine it's still, you know, something he's got to be careful about navigating as well. And, um, uh, but it is for everybody too. Like you said, everybody's yeah. got their own, their own unique schedule challenges and, and blessings and everything else that, that we try to fit hunting into. And so, it's interesting. Not only are you a pastor, but you only got nine fingers. Yeah. Were you born that way? No, I was not. You were not born it's that not way. That's not how you were made. Has typing become more difficult? <laughs> you know, that's funny. When it after it happened, you know, you're learning, okay, how does the how's this gonna affect me? And at the time I had a super old keyboard and uh I always let's see, what is it? Enter. Yep. Or shift even. I always was, was striking that with my left pinky. So it was like sh actually worn off on the keyboard a little. So that wasn't too big of a that's transition. That's interesting because, you had, to be, because yeah. you had to do that one. On one that thing that, that's interesting in that is your pinky represents uh, over 50% of your grip strength. Really? So that's, that's one area that I really notice it on. But even like coming out of physical therapy after the accident, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working that particular muscle and i got to almost 70 percent of my left hand wow so they were like oh that's actually really good but it's i mean you know especially right after something like that you you obviously are healing and adapting which is pretty amazing how basically my brain has converted it to my pinky yeah so like if i'm reaching 
for something with my pinky. Everything you do with your pinky, it's kind of like your sorting finger. Yeah. And it, these are things you don't think about until you don't yeah, have until, one, right? Yeah, until you got to learn it all. But yeah. it's kind of weird. There's like a confusion phase where you're like trying to use it and it's not there. And then you're like, you know, real conscious thinking using your, yeah, my ring finger. But now it's, it's been three years and it's you ever get normal. like you ever get like a phantom itch? Or something? Oh yeah. Oh, I've had like, oh, that just like I'll get like dirt, especially if something happens, like to my other fingers on that hand. I'll get it like if I I'll get dirt under a fingernail, and then I'll feel it on the pinky one. Oh, there's nothing you can do. Or I felt like that there's a like paper cut before. Oh, or, that sounds torturous, just, man. What that makes me think of is like having an itch on your brain. Like, how do you yeah. scratch that? You know what I mean? It's like, oh. Yeah, often if I like, you know, you can kind of rub what's left of the pinky there and it, it'll kind of go away. It's So how did it happen? Well, yeah, well you, I'll let, me, get, let me say this. So I've only ever had one other person on the show that I know had lost a finger. Yeah. Dan, Dan Johnson from the Nine Finger Chronicles. And he I, said I, he's got. You've had him on here? Yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. I've. I've Episode. seen some of his things and I'm yeah. like, hey, I should join him. Just, yeah, you just should, only man. because I have nine yeah, That's right. You should. You guys could. I mean, <laughs> there can't be too many of us out there, right? <laughs> hey, I think his is uh, yeah, his, is his index finger. Yeah, so, that's a little you know, bit more challenging. You guys hunting. could maybe uh, compensate for each other yeah, a little bit. Right off. when it happened, I like looked and it was like, because I actually got my thumb too. And I thought, that'll heal. And I looked at my pinky and I'm like, that won't. And I thought, mm. I play guitar, so I'm like, oh no! And I was like, okay, that isn't. You don't use your pinky on your on your strumming hand as much. Uh, and then I was like, okay, it doesn't affect hunting either, so yeah. we'll be okay. We'll be all right. <laughs> we'll yep. be okay. Yeah. yeah. So so uh, Dan had a real story and a you know just to get people yeah you know going <laughs> story. And, you want uh, to get the going story? Yeah, let's hear both. So what's your, oh, okay. uh, yeah, what's your, uh, what's your bogus so, story that you tell people? My bogus story? Yeah. Oh, well, I, I told my niece, she loves fish. And I said, oh, I caught this huge fish this one day and it just snapped it right <laughs> off. And immediately she totally bought it. You know, my, my brother. And she hasn't been swimming since. Right. My brother's <laughs> sitting there and I. I, you know, I immediately like start trying to backpedal and she's just like, I couldn't convince her. She's like, you don't have it. Therefore a fish ate it. You know? <laughs> so, uh, usually I do what I, when I greeted you, I'll do the handshake and then yeah. I just got like a half inch of it left. And so I can kind of wiggle it yep. and it kind of freaks people out. It's fun to see there. You got to make, oh, yeah. make yeah, that's uh, right. You got to make the most of it. Most of it. I so. like that about guy, yeah. guys that are missing uh a finger they they try to make the most out of it yeah. so so what really happened so what really happened is i have a farmer friend that we were butchering a pile of hogs and we were working on a bandsaw and i grew up doing lots of woodworking construction i have a bandsaw at home mm -hmm. uh, but a woodworking one mm -hmm. so if you're familiar with a band it's going around you know two yep. wheels in the return where you're not cutting uh in a woodworking ones goes up in the housing so sure. you're not worried about that at all. So it, it's my fault for not understanding the scope of the saw, but mm -hmm. like truly an accident where we had cut this hog in half, showing you how big the band size, it just sinks yeah. through, you know? And actually we had some, some teens that were helping us. And one of them was 
kind of being a little bit careless, at least in my estimation. And I was like, yeah. be careful. This thing could take your hand off so fast you wouldn't know what happened. Those yeah. words became much less tasteful <laughs> yeah. later. But <laughs> So I was trying to cut this hawk off. And, the, and there was somebody helping me kind of pull the, the hog through with the slide. But I was, because it was like a sliding table thing. You yeah. can slide it through. Uh, so I said, just let me slide this through. And I'm really paying attention with my left hand in that hawk while my right hand's just kind of hanging out. And the return of a band on this particular one is like right against the post, uh-huh. but it's exposed. And it's an old saw, and I don't know if it was originally had a guard or if sure the 50s or whenever it was made, <laughs> yeah, man up and be smarter than me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I, somehow my hand just wandered into that, and it got the end of my thumb, and it, it just threw my hand. And yeah. I was so confident in my safety that I, like, your brain goes into slow motion. I was like, what happened? Yeah. Like, my first thought wasn't even that I cut myself. I was like, did, did like, the band break and go flying? Or, like, did yeah. the motor blow and something hit my hand? And I looked at my hand and was like, how did I just get cut, you know? Yeah. And then I look at the saw and I see it and I'm like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Oh. But, so, it, it opened my... I can show you. See how much oh, skinnier yeah. my one thumb is. Yeah. So it took a good chunk. The bone was like sticking out. Took the thumbnail off, and then somehow it missed my middle three fingers, and it cut my pinky straight down the middle. Oh. So and the worst part of it, it was during COVID, and so the powers that be in Des Moines decided that I was a non-elective or I was an elective sur- surgery. It wasn't. I had to wait like four. It happened on a Saturday. I had to wait till Wednesday to have the surgery with my finger just flayed open, basically. Oh, it was pretty man. terrible. But yeah, that is yeah. Terrible. So the surgeon, he's like, "Well, we could, we could save it, but you don't have basically there was no bone structure left. So yeah. he's like, it'd just be straight all the time. I'm like, why, why on earth would I want <laughs> yeah. that? So, oh man, yeah. That's 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 brutal, so man. Be that, careful that's out not, there. Well, that, you know, like even if you've been like I've been around. I figured it was a, life. You know? Know, I figured it was just a straight like no, you know, like it, like right it, through the middle. Like that sounds super pain. Like especially pain. Oh, I do not want to see that picture. <laughs> uh, that no, thank you. Uh, that sounds horrible. Going yeah. through the fingernails on two fingers. Yeah, not uh, just nasty, not painful. Good. That's yeah. That's a, that's a bad deal. Yeah, right it totally there. took the thumbnail off mostly. Oh, that actually, hurt. once I had the surgery, I think he didn't really hurt because it was yeah, gone. Right. But that thumbnail healing, that was pretty miserable. But. Yeah, I can only imagine, man. Did everyone there like freak out? Oh I... yeah, there was the, <laughs> the person across from me <laughs> Did it actually realized what was happening, and oh. like, they were like, "I I was trying so hard to like." say careful or whatever i just couldn't get it out in time (laughs) so i actually thought because of how my i just glanced at it and then grabbed it you know so i thought i'd actually cut my pinky off so i was just like somebody take me to the er find my pinky and so then of course i'm just worried about my pain and whatever yeah so it's like an hour later and they Somebody comes in, they're like, we can't find it. I'm like, oh, sorry. Yeah. You guys are oh, still looking. through all the, <laughs> oh, looking no. all over the room trying to find it. Oh, no. Anyways. Oh, man. Well, sorry sorry, you went through that, but I'm glad yeah. you have good good sense of humor about it. And and uh, and the worst part of it was the day before, the night before it happened, I missed a really big buck with my bow. Oh. But, 
So then I, I was all like, okay. And I, I was hunting a new area. So I was like, I, I got more chances. Well, yeah, not that, that year. <laughs> yeah. That would pretty much shut you down. Yeah. But man, that's, that's, that's too bad, man. I'm, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but, but glad you're doing well. Glad you're able to still hunt and, you know, do the other things that you enjoy doing. And yeah, what you it gives me for appreciation for people with like, what like, I'd call like significant ma- major disability yeah. or something. Like you just have a little bit of a taste for the weird thing for me was like the loss you experience. Yeah. It's really weird. I wasn't expecting that. Like it felt like something was taken from me that was like, especially mine, you know? Yeah. And so I just like, I can't imagine if somebody with loses a whole hand or an arm or a leg yeah, or what that right. would be. Gives you a lot more respect for those Definitely. people and even like the sacrifices of the soldiers and whatnot too. But Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah it's it's uh it's it's unfortunate that it happens but i think it's also good to tell these stories you know you know it's not just because they're interesting but like like you were saying be careful yeah you know you gotta you, you don't even think yeah. on and some I'm, of these I'm things so, i i've worked with saws my whole life i went to tech school for construction sat through classes on safety and yeah. saw all the things and like yeah. i just felt so stupid afterwards i was like yeah. I definitely know better, you know, but yeah, accidents just, happen. So yep, be safe do. out there. Yep. <laughs> yep. Try and double check everything. And you know, I had a boss who, um, this is related to deer hunting. He, uh, took all four off of one hand and one fell swoop with a, with a table saw. <laughs> Yikes. And it took and, me a little while to be able to use a saw afterwards. Oh, I can like, only I imagine. Don't, I don't really need to use that. <laughs> yeah. I, no. Let somebody else do it. Well, and here's the crazy thing. He was in, I won't say the town, but he was in the equivalent of your town in Illinois. Yeah. Went to that small town hospital. They reattached all four of them. Yeah. And to this day, as far as I know, he still has full use of all, all four fingers. He said, though, when he goes deer hunting and it's cold, he said the pain in those bones yeah it's just like crazy like i don't said, know if that'll come so for me bad. it gets really cold but i don't have a lot of feeling even mm-hmm. in that whole side of my hand kind of just kind of tingly so i don't even really notice it that much but if i touch it it'll be like like even now it's like very noticeably colder that's interesting but it, yeah. i don't really get pain from it so much but. yeah yeah so man yeah like like uh ronnie says be careful out there and sometimes you get lucky, you get like a second chance. You like see, whoa, that yeah. almost was terrible. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes it's just it. Now, I, I actually, before I was a pastor, I actually worked for a sharpening company for six years. So literally thousands of knives and scissors That's and all crazy. kinds of stuff. And my boss also had a bad hand injury and was missing part of his fingers. But neither of us were from anything sharpening related. <laughs> That's crazy. Go yep. Yep. But. Yep, glad you're still able to hunt and, and um, you know, use release and, and uh, you know. Yeah, I can you, shoot fingers too. <laughs> I shoot a yeah. little. Yeah, a little traditional archery. Traditional sometimes. But. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well, speaking of shooting archery, we're going to talk uh, about your your muley buck, which, was that an archery buck? muzzleloader. Muzzleloader, okay, yeah. so we're going to talk about that, but. Uh, as far as archery goes, I wanted to, I know it's not the main topic, but you had a really interesting story this year with yeah. your whitetail season, the 11th hour yeah. of the first bow, first part of the bow season. Yeah. Um, 
Tell us about the whitetail you shot this year. Yeah, it was it was it was the coolest hunt I've ever had. So yeah, I'll just awesome. frame it up there. And like trophy is for me is all it's the whole experience. Yeah, it's the whole packaged package. in there. Yep. And I mentioned it on the 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 what do what picking bones. Yes, picking bones. Uh, that I try not to set goals that aren't controllable. Like I can have dreams or whatever, but um, and and because I had harvested a mule deer in September. I had some meat in my freezer, had some, uh, you know, the freezer wasn't hurting. Yeah. So I just kind of went into this year, just kind of, I'll shoot something if I want to. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have any pressure. Right. So that was nice. So I actually got pictures of this deer in September, huge body, mm-hmm. narrow rack, but heavy. And I was like, yeah, oh, great that's, mass. that's a really mature deer. Like, mm-hmm. not one that's by Iowa standards, crazy genetic if i had to get i pulled the teeth we'll see if i pay the 35 bucks or whatever to to get it aged but i'd guess i would think it was well beyond the three and a half probably like a five-year-old or that era sure but anyways uh yeah so the season's going i i hunt this one i have this one private spot that i can hunt Mm -hmm. and there's two big blocks of timber and a little skinny actually there's no there's nothing for like 20 yards. There's a mm-hmm. gap there. And at the very first time I looked at the property, I was like, that's where I'm sitting. Yeah. And actually the second time I sat there, I shot 160 oh, inch nice. 10 point with 14 inch G2s. That's awesome. Anyway, so I'm in that same area and I've hunted this. I try to kind of leave it till the end uh, or till prime time. But uh, I know where the deer move in there. I really noticed how they started going. Uh, they're, they're, they're like cutting the corner between these blocks across the field. Mm. Uh, and I actually got permission on one side of it. So it's, there's like a, like a intersection of these fence lines and I can hunt three sides of it. Okay. Uh, so there was a South wind this day, which is a little bit odd. So I was sitting in a tree on the fence line, uh, kind of on the other side, uh, it'd be what some people call like an observation sit. Like sure. I can see these yeah. two huge fields, but I also know that they love to kind of highway up this fence line, yep. which is really interesting too, because there's no timber for probably four forties, three forties mm-hmm. going two directions. And I see deer constantly. So they, like, you'd be really surprised how much sometimes they use fence lines. Yeah. But anyways. Yeah. I heard somebody else make that point for, uh, it was Chris Dyer. He talked about that in the late season. Um, in areas where there's not a yeah. lot of timber. It's, it's a spot I would never sit unless I had been there before and seen him do this countless times. Mm. Anyway, so I'm sitting there not seeing anything. It's like I, I I got off work a little early, got in the stand like 3.50. So I've got like you know an hour and 20 minutes or something yeah. to sitting, but I can get in easy here. And like you said, the last week, my last chance to go out is Tuesday of season and just kind of looking around not seeing much i think i'd seen one doe mm-hmm. i look over my shoulder there's the the fence line goes up and then there's a little ditch that's overgrown and maybe goes 100 yards uh and I, there's a huge deer standing there and it's mm-hmm. one of those that as soon as you see like the frame of the body you're like that's a buck yeah so i grab my binoculars look at it and i'm like I immediately recognized him. I'm like, oh, that's that buck. And I actually saw him in November, and he was limping a little, but using the leg fine. Mm-hmm. Now he's, like, holding it up and, like, hobbling bad. Yeah. And bed's down. And I'm thinking, I've only got an hour. 
he's just going to lay there the whole time. Yeah. So I sat there and just watched him for like five minutes with the binoculars, like just watching what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And he's looking the dead opposite way. He's got his nose to the wind uh, so he can smell anything, but he's right. also looking that way. So I'm like, I can, and he was on the south side of this ditch. And so I'm like, with a south wind, I'm like, I can get on the north side of that. And if it wasn't for the crunchy snow, I could probably get 10 yards from him and shoot him. And I'm like, this is super aggressive. You know, I see yeah. videos of people doing this, but I just had this feeling that he was going to, if he did get up, was going to follow that ditch and I was going to be 75 yards away too far. Yeah. So I decided I'm going to be aggressive. I, this is my last time. I'm just going to throw all my cards into this, so to speak. Yeah. Put my bow down. Now, sometimes that's, that's just like, a good feeling, you know, where it's like, I may as well be aggressive. Yeah. What do I got it. to lose, right? right? So I put my bow down, which that's for me, that's always the conundrum. I hate being without my bow during season because yeah. stupid things are bound to happen. So I like yeah. bring my bow down, get out of the tree, those two minutes, trying to get down and everything. I'm like, okay, I'm on the ground, got my bow, we're good. So I got down in this little ditch uh, and, you know, just real slow and this trying to find where I could step that the snow wasn't going to be so crunchy. Yeah. Get to 70 yards. And I had this one spot that I'm like, if I can at least get here, if he gets up and comes the way that he was working at all, I've got a, just an awesome shot. Sure. And I was like 20 yards from there, basically in the open, just a little bit of knee-high grass. And I see this deer, this doe come over the hill and she's looking right at me. And so I just wait till she looks away, yep. kneel down. And I'm trying to keep my head not silhouetted there, you know? Yep. So I got my head down as far as I can. She runs right up over to this buck. He stands up, scent checks her. And I, I don't know, she was, wasn't hot or he wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. and so she was still kind of milling around there. But then he got up and started working towards me and got like 70 yards away. And there was kind of like one little... I thought he was going to cut off and I was going to be 70 yards still. I'd be like, well, I tried, you yeah, know. Yeah. Then he turns and he stands there for like 10 minutes, just perfectly, carefully kind of diagnosing, scent checking. He's looking around and the whole time I'm thinking he's just going to slowly work. You know, I'm just like, yep. hopefully it doesn't get dark. You know, all of a sudden yep. he just starts walking right to me. I mean, straight head <laughs> on at me. One of and those moments. It, oh, yeah. And his leg is, he's not using it at all. He's holding it up. So he's kind of like jumping off his front leg. So he's like bouncing. So I could yeah. see his rack, like rack, nothing, rack, nothing. And he's coming through the grass literally right at me. That's and crazy. so at like 20 yards, he, there was a tree there. So I drew when he was uh, behind that tree and he came out coring towards. And I have a heavy arrow of single bevel. So it's mm -hmm. set up for penetrating bone if you have yeah. to but i still don't want to right yeah and i'm like he's just coming heads down i'm just gonna let him come and i just kept i felt like he was gonna veer off the trail and just 20 yards perfect you know but he just comes right to me and i'm i'm just in disbelief as he's coming that he's not seeing me because i'm just in the open just as low as i can possibly be crouched yeah. you know and still hold a compound bow back and at like it was three to four steps Oh my goodness. I let the arrow go. That's and as crazy. I was telling you before, like I'm looking through my peep and all I can see is deer. Just and so body. I actually just like forgot my peep and basically just like used my arrow and sight housing is like I went into like shooting a pheasant mode. Yeah. And here's yeah. this deer bouncing by and 
He went. I never thought of that problem where you're so close that you can't pick yeah. a spot, but that's true. And I've, I've had a couple times where I had like a fawn, I'm on the ground and they've come real close, but I've never had a buck that yeah. close. Like, yeah. I mean, you can hear him breathe. You can see like everything. It's just right that's there. That's so cool. He was so close that when I shot, I actually never even saw the arrow. Like it was probably only, you know, three <laughs> arrow lengths out of the bow and yeah. it's into him. Yeah. I wonder when, when you had, when you had posted that story, I had wondered, I wonder if, uh, being at that close of a shot, if the arrow had, you know, some diminished energy on it, you know, like it hadn't, yeah. not that it was losing it, but it, it hadn't gained, stabilized. Kind yeah. Of. It hadn't reached its top speed yeah. yet and everything, you know, like how much, yeah. you know, it, it but I imagine, right mo- through, right? you know, momentum, well, momentum's dependent on velocity, so yeah, momentum would be down a little bit, but it still clearly got it done. Yeah, so. yeah, it went through and way out into the field. So, yeah, yeah. Well, man, what an awesome story! An awesome buck. Um, people can check it out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, what's your handle on Instagram? R Lance Three. Okay, so go to at rlance3, and you can see this buck. And it has very impressive, uh, I think it was G2s that were so impressive on that. Yeah, buck. skinny but heavy. Yep. Cool buck, not not going to, I mean, it's a Pope and Young, but it's not right, going yeah. to break any records. But yeah, yeah I have yeah. the video, just a little clip on there too. I pr- we talked about social media a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Pretty much just put all my hunting, fishing stuff on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. That's what I like and to do. And don't too. really use Facebook anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, in some in some in some cases Facebook is nice. And um what I like about Facebook, especially from like a creator standpoint, is the ability to share links is so much easier on there than than uh you know, thankfully we have things like Linktree. Uh, where you can make the most out of your little one bio link yeah. that you get on uh, Instagram. But, but yeah, just, I don't know. It seems like a place where you're going to have a more focused group of people. Like on Facebook, there's just something about the mentality of ad friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I know this person in some way. Whereas Instagram... Well, you end up, you, it's more based off of what are you interested yeah, in interest and we're going to put these people before you that, that are also interested in that. And so you're, you know, you're following all these strangers and knowing and like some of my frustrations with Facebook. When I got Instagram, yeah. I was like, I'm being really specific on who I follow and like yeah, what I yep. like and yep. yeah, protect so, the yeah. algorithm. Yeah. You're for <laughs> real though. <laughs> yeah. So just an incredible story. You can see that, like like Ronnie said, you can see the um, pictures, the footage on uh, his Instagram. And uh, did you put it on YouTube? I haven't, but I probably will eventually. So I have a YouTube channel, but it's it's not that awesome. But it's no, it's good stuff. I, I enjoyed uh, watching your um, early muzz hunt from last year yeah. in there, and and that. And so yeah, I but. We're not just talking whitetails now. We're talking about this mule deer hunt. Yeah. Colorado, right? Correct. And was it totally DIY? 100%. And (laughs) OTC or? No, uh, it was was, a draw. It was limited draw? Yeah. So I I drew with three points. Wow. This year, I could have drawn with two. Okay. 
what did you get the impression that it was a lot better because it was a limited draw or did it did it seem um like yeah it's probably about like what it is you know yeah i don't know uh i don't have a ton to compare it to other than an, sure. an elk hunt in 2014, which we saw mule deer. Uh, I was trying to maximize opportunities. So uh, Colorado has, you have to actually apply for a tag every 10 years. Okay. And so I was at nine years from when I would put my first point in. Uh, so I was coming up to that point. And sure, you can apply to the, some of the untouchable units and kind of bypass it that way right, but i was right. like let's just do this and had some life stuff come up so i couldn't put in for a rifle season but it fit with september mm-hmm. and then it doesn't like why would i leave iowa hunting in, <laughs> in right, late october yeah. november you know yeah so that fit uh i kind of liked the challenge of muzzleloader and in colorado it's it's open sites only yeah that's so right. and, like, and also you can't have the jacketed sabots right right so so, so what do you use like power belts is that uh, yeah. So actually I, I had just bought a new muzzleloader, um, due to frustrations with my previous one. So I got a CVA Acura. Uh, I got the LRX. If you buy one, buy the shorter version, the mountain version. That's, okay. That's my tip. But so the CVA actually, there's the power belt, uh, it's like ELR or EGR, something, yeah, like, something that. like that. Yeah. That's, uh, it's got their power belt thing, but it's all, it's as close as you can get to like a true bore bullet other mm-hmm. than having like a custom gun shop and reaming bullets and stuff. Yeah. What was the, what was the weight on those? You uh, so interestingly, I got a 45 caliber muzzleloader. Oh, okay. So I'm still shooting the same thing that a sabotaged 50 cal would be shooting. Right. So it's, I think it was 285. Okay. And then was shooting. Yeah, that's, uh, little, that's pretty good weight on there. Yeah. And then I was shooting max load for that gun is 120 grains uh, i think that's by volume in of blackhorn 209 which is yeah. super expensive but yeah that gun shoots inch groups at 100 yards all yeah. day long cva just makes <laughs> well yeah. their their whole slogan just a better gun yeah yeah they, and I, I won't throw anyone under the bus but i had a quality muzzleloader before and mm-hmm. tried all kinds of stuff and could not get it to shoot better than like five inches groups at a hundred yards. Wow. Maybe yeah. I just had a unlucky barrel or something, but sure. Very happy yeah. with that gun. So I already had that yeah. set up for Iowa. I had to take my scope off and I actually put a peep yeah. sight on it, which plays into the story. So I put like a, the, the front sight is just a, a crosshair basically in a globe mm-hmm. sight. No, no fiber optic or anything. And then a peep in the oh, back, wow. which was super accurate. Mm-hmm. Like I was, very confident 200 with that. Wow. That's that pretty setup, good for a muzzle loader. Yeah. That's really good. 200 yards. And, and a lot of people talk about muzzle loaders. Oh, yeah. That's a 200 yard gun. But you really got to work with a muzzle yeah. loader to get it and to I, that way. And I've shot with my scope, I've shot out to 300 with that gun. It's unbelievable the wind drift that you get with a muzzle loader. And I've not that's done really, tons that, of Okay. So that's really interesting because. Caleb and I, we both put a stock on these two, on the yeah. group of bedded mule deer. I'm glad you brought this up because we were wondering this. It was a good stock. Super windy, though. Wind yeah. right kind of almost cross-faced to us. And we had this group of deer bedded within 85 yards. 
both of us shooting into this crosswind, yeah. both of us miss. Yeah. Clean miss. Do you think that? Well, I can tell you this. With my gun, I had it dialed at 100, like mm-hmm. inside of inch groups. Just awesome. And I'm, so I'm yeah. shooting off bench rest. I went out to 300, and I had all the ballistics figured out, and I shot a, a three-inch group at 300. And I was like, awesome. That's incredible. Perfect height. Order. Like 12, I don't remember for sure, more mm-hmm. than a foot to the right. But wow. I was like, how can it be? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. You know, and just yeah. like having used rifles before, I'm like, there's no way I'm getting that much wind drift. And so it's right. like, I'm just going to put it away for today, take it out another day, see what happens. Opposite wind, 15 inches the other way. Whoa. And it wasn't like hurricane wind. It was like normal day in Iowa, right? Yeah. <laughs> 10, 12, 15 mile an hour, maybe. That's really interesting. Maybe. But so that really, I was like, okay huge factor in shooting beyond 200 for yeah at least in my yeah experience but anyways yeah so you're doing muzzleloader you're doing uh limited draw you're in colorado was this your first time hunting muleys it was my first time hunting muleys but you had the elk trip where you yeah and i've done so as a pastor i've taken our teens in on wilderness trips sure i've been in colorado a couple times doing that in wyoming uh, which that actually is super valuable. <laughs> hey, kids, do you guys want to go on a scouting yeah. trip? I mean, yeah. <laughs> a camping trip. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the wilderness teaches you. Mm-hmm. And so that's something else that I like about Western hunting is like there's this challenge of survival. And it's just me and I wrangled one of my buddies to come with who didn't even have a tag. I was like, do you want to come on an awesome camping trip? Yeah, right. <laughs> I hunt? Maybe you'll you find know? a shed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually did find an elk oh, shed. Oh, so really? I stole that from right under his feet. But, oh, man. Yeah. That's but, awesome. Yeah, so totally unsupported. So I'm going out there in my 1994 F-150 with a straight six. And boy. We slept in the back with just a topper. and That's awesome. Like how – how cheap can we do this, yeah. you know? But that actually really, it kind of weighed on me the whole time. We we had like, the forecast was terrible. It was like 70 to 100% chance of thunderstorms like every day. Yeah, so I'm like, that's worried. not what it's supposed to be. Like we're in a kind of drier area of Colorado. Like, yeah, and you're not, and you're getting worried on those back roads. Where oh, you're yeah. Stuck and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real concern for sure. So how many days were you guys planning to hunt? So we left Wednesday after church, drove through the night. And so we got there Friday afternoon or Thursday afternoon. And I had to be back Sunday or Saturday night before church on Sunday, the, a week later. Oh, okay. Yeah. You had a week. Okay. Yeah. So it was, I think we had nine days or something, depending on how you count it. Nice. So nine days. Um, what about your hunt locations? Where you just planned to hit like one big piece of public and you were just going to blitz that thing for nine days? Or did you have like, you know, for instance, when Alex from East West Hunts does a hunt plan for people, he's he puts on the map what he calls hunt areas yeah. and then he numbers them. Did you guys have that like, oh, if this piece of public I, I is garbage, did, we're going to go even to this though place? I wasn't. I wasn't thinking of it exactly like sure, that, you know? Sure. Somebody like him would be so invaluable to this. Because I strictly was just sifting through the Colorado has like a statistics page and there's literally like 5,000 pages. Like 
you've got to have it like on an iPad or something to search sure. units and you can yep. see success rates. Uh, and which I later found out Colorado, you don't have to report. Uh, you have a, like a survey you fill out, but it's not like reporting like it is in Iowa. Sure. So I'm like, okay, yep. those rates, like it's, there's, there's a little some wiggle room there, right, but the, like the right. unit that I picked was like a seventy percent success rate. Wow, which is crazy That's for very mule deer, good. and it was drawing out at like two or three uh, points for muzzleloader, and some of the rifle seasons were like up near ten points. Whoa. So it's a sought after unit, yeah, and like sure. at least half of it is national forest. Okay, so like basically the whole time we were there, you could hunt anything. Mm-hmm. Except when you get down to some of the lower parts, there'll be some farms yeah, and stuff. Some private ground. So I just did tons of e-scouting. And, uh, you know, I picked, I was trying to, like they say, uh, what I was reading was high alpine above tree line for early mm-hmm. September. And so I was trying to pick these basins that looked perfect, you know. Yeah. And so I had like four or five picked out. And I kind of had like a the continental divide runs along the western side of that unit or the eastern side of that unit. Okay. Yeah. So I kind of had like a 40 mile, 30 to 40 mile stretch and there's actually quite a bit of road system. Now I later found out the quality of that road system <laughs> and how long it takes you to navigate it. Yeah. But I was like, I kind of want to hunt up and down that. So my original plan was just to drive that the first day uh, and just kind of get a feel sure, for it, which didn't end up working out. But Yeah. Yeah, so after that first day, did you start to get some sightings and get some confidence? Like, hey, this is this is doable. Honestly, it's super rough. <laughs> so we came in, we, we drove through the night, and if I would have gone into this, like, mid a summer trip, even if it was, like, two days, it would have helped so much. Mm. And so Just that's that something that, like taken away like i don't have a lot of time to make that happen but that would have really helped or yeah, or even next yeah. time wow that's gonna save us so much time so we went like through the north side of this and went through this pass that was like four by four only it mm-hmm. took us like four hours to drive like yeah 20 miles like just stupid and so then i'm thinking well it's gonna be impossible like that was just getting into the unit on the, yeah. on the north tip of it <laughs> I'm like, how am I going to drive my 30 miles that I was looking at doing? Yeah, yeah. But I didn't realize the back side of it was way better. If we would have came around okay. the other side, it would have taken yep. like half an hour. Mm. <laughs> so just things you don't know. Yep. You got to be there to learn. So it. we get in, we're like, we're going to pack in. I had this super remote basin picked. We hike in like four miles, get there. Uh, the night before go in well the day before like half the day glass mm-hmm. this basin and the only thing we saw was wolves <sighs> at one point I that's crazy see, in, at one in point colorado I, yeah, huh? at one point i could see five wolves and the guy that i was with i've seen wolves from northern yeah. minnesota we already talked about yep. them and the guy i was with hunts coyotes a ton so he knows what he's talking yeah, about and i mean yeah. they were massive and i we actually talked to some locals and they're like there's some in here but that's super rare and they were, yeah, I guess, well, I mean, that's all. Introduce them in that area more. Well, but, yeah, know, so that's a huge, uh, like, hot button issue right now in the wildlife news yeah. arena. Um, called ballot box biology, where they they say, "Hey, Coloradoans, Coloradans, yeah. what's the <laughs> term? Coloradans, uh, do you guys want wolves or not? Yeah, vote yes or no, and." 
there's not a lot of science, you know, they can pass on a recommendation like, Hey, we, we think this will X, Y, and Z are going to happen if you decide to do this. But, but if, but if, um, well, no, it's ruled know, if, by, if, if, if people are just swayed in a way like, yeah, we want this, they're going to get it. And that's what happened. But a big part of the opposition to, reintroducing wolves was, Hey, we already got some wolves that are showing up on their own. Why can't we just let them yeah. just kind of figure it out? It's and it sounds like that's what yeah. you actually I mean, we, physically saw. We just watched them all day or half that's, the day. That's and they were crazy. going in like all these little sage scrub things. And I don't know if they're, we saw like all kinds of small game, you know, marmots and, yeah. and ptarmigan. Even we saw some, that's all cool. kinds of stuff. And so I'm assuming that's what they were going through, but no big game in that. So we sit there, like, I had my dreams in this basin, like, yeah. just be loaded, you know? Yep. And so I was like, what are we going to do on opening morning? Yeah. And this basin, I tried to pick something that, like, trying to use my my Iowa hunting, like, find something a little unique, mm-hmm. a little off to the side, maybe. Yep. And so yep. we actually had to go into the other unit, it was the only way to access this basin. So we hop back out right at sunset, and as soon as we get in the other basin, there's two giants. Oh man! And we're like, and they spook like right no, away. No, we sat there and watched them. Uh, oh, because it was in another unit. Yeah, and they were. I mean, they were 500 yards away or whatever. Oh. But it would have been like, I was like, you if could've... only we could hunt this. Yeah, you could just you get could've... up in the morning and refine them, and it's like you see on yeah the movies, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yep. How it was supposed Text to work? Perfect. Out, you know? Yeah. So we're like. I'm like, I'm not going to go hunt a basin that's full of wolves. Like, yeah, there's, there's it's just going to be cleaned out. Right. And so, the so opening morning, we get up super early and we had brought stuff to stay in that basin for like four days. So, we have oh. the food tents, you know, we pack everything up, hike back to where we parked, kind of halfway there, there was a basin. And we sat there for half the first day and saw like four does. So, at least we were seeing deer. Right. I'm like, okay, there's, we're in a mule deer area. Like this yep. is good. So middle day, we take the truck and drive further down this sketchy road. Uh, <laughs> and I actually didn't even want to go in it because I was only seeing UTVs do it. And then this guy came out in an Explorer and I was like, Hey, so I stopped him and I was like, can I make it at my F-150? And he's like, it's really bad for like a hundred yards and then it's okay. And he was right. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. I had new tires. Okay. So I was like, if you're going to DIY it, have good tires because that's saved yeah. our bacon. Anyway, so we got in there. We hiked this. It was like a, the side of this mountain three miles up. And I just I didn't realize how many four-wheeler trails there were. They're just oh, everywhere. Man, so yeah. lots of activity, just like UTV riding and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so we hiked like three miles into this other basin. Plan B, right? Yeah. So we're on the second day of the hunt, we get up super early and we're going to hike like another mile and a half up this into the another basin further down. Yep. And I get up and I can already see five headlamps on the top of oh. the summit. And I'm like, there's no way that somebody got up and has already hiked in five miles. It's like three in the morning, you know? Oh. And I look down the pass and there's more headlights coming. And I'm like, I'm so confused. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, there's only like 40 <laughs> tags in this whole unit. Yeah. You know? And so I get up there. We, we, we get, we get our, uh, gear ready. Yep. And we're like, we don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> there's just people everywhere. Yeah. 
Well, it turns out, lucky us, we were on a, a race uh, map or whatever course oh. of this 150 mile mountain bike race, which is just oh. insane that people are mountain biking this stuff. Yeah. But like, I, here comes this guy, he's got his numbers. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And he's like, we're on a mountain, like a three day or two and a half day mountain bike oh. race. And we're like, what? So here's all these mountain bikers riding through. And so oh, man. we had planned to, to, yeah, we didn't know what to do at that point. So we're like, okay, we'll backtrack. There was this little pass and there was tons of tracks over it. Mm-hmm. So we get over there and literally I can see all the way to the next pass miles. And there's just like headlamps coming. <laughs> like, oh. What is going on? And I look down, I'm standing on the path. And there's like a like a shale slide. I look down with my headlamp and I see eyes. And I'm like, there's deer bedded there. Like four or five of them looked wow. like. And so I, I told Sam that I'm with, I said, when the next guy with a bike comes by, we're just going to lay down and shut our lights off and just kind of disappear in his noise shadow mm-hmm. or whatever. Yep. So we do that. And it we're waiting like hour and a half till daylight. And we're just sitting there on the side of this, literally laying like feet on the trail, you know, muscle loader up, yep. hanging over the side of this thing, waiting for daylight as bikers are riding right past us. And oh like 50 God. yards below, there's these deer bedded. So it gets close to light and it's three bucks. And one of them would just be like in Iowa, we call it a fork, but okay, like yeah. 26 inches wide, super oh tall, goodness. like big frame, but. Just, just too, just too up, little. You know? And then yeah. the other one was a shed velvet, kind of like a traditional muley forks, and I think they call them thirds. Yep. Uh, so they'd call it a f- one, two, three, four, a four point. Mm-hmm. And then another smaller one that actually had a huge tumor. I'd never seen one of those before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's where the that sight comes in. If I had had fiber optics, it was legal light, and I just couldn't quite. If I like really focused on my sight, I could see the sight, but I couldn't really. I wasn't comfortable. And I I mean, minutes, two minutes maybe. And he was ours, 50 yards. And this biker comes by and stops and goes, hey, how's your morning going? And they get up and and run off. And I'm like. Do you think that was intentional? I don't know. I didn't even care to know. Yeah. I just was like, shook my head. (laughs) I didn't even want I was like, what am I going to say? Yeah. Well, Well, it was was going going great until this. Yeah. idiot showed up yeah. I, was what, well, I was just like what do you think we're doing i'm yeah. holding the gun hanging over right. the side wearing blaze orange you know yeah that makes me wonder if it was intentional yeah you know? whatever so that's day two and we're totally still like uh what do we do now yeah you know yeah well it's almost like it's almost like uh a curse when you find a spot like that because then after yeah, do we it's wait it, it out? Blown, yeah, or? it gets blown out. You're kind of like, oh, do I just, yeah, do I do I need to stick around here or should I? Yeah. Nope, it's been blown out. Plan B. Yeah. Which, so plan C. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Plan C, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're like, what are we doing? At this point, we've already hiked, you know, 15 miles or something like right, that. Right. 2,500 feet elevation. And we worked out beforehand, but I was like, I'm still from yeah. Iowa. <laughs> right, yeah. You can't train for that. So... We decide, let's just pull out and go, you know, we're only two days in, let's just go to a totally different area. So we go down to like 8,000 feet elevation and it is loaded with hunters. 
I mean, elk hunters, I'm assuming. I mean, like there was like a, uh, now I can't think of the word, an outfitter oh, okay, that had yeah. like all these people set up. And so we basically wasted a day down there. I did find that one shed and we saw That's nice. one doe uh, and it was just people everywhere. Man. So now we're like, we've been out, you know, that was the kind of at a loss. It was only like the second day of season, but we had been out there for four days and it hiked all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and we had gone in the first time or the, the second place we went where we had the bikes, we had gone in there with gear to stay for like four days. Oh man. Now, in hindsight, I was like, maybe we should have just waited it out. Yep. But it's like, I hadn't scouted it. I was like, let's just go somewhere that's good now so yeah well you know i think i think you guys were making the most of it for sure the fact that you even got to a point where you almost had a shot attempt and yeah. then you know and I passed, all that other ruckus is going on a couple like little forkies that sure. were like five yards off the trail and sure i can't do that <laughs> right yeah if i'm seeing those this quickly, yeah so we were seeing deer it's just like all this i mean wolves and a bike race and what, is, what right. is going on, you know? So then, like, they, I've heard this expression, when you're in the wilderness, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Yep. And I'm not there. So it's yeah. like, I'm working towards that, but, like, you know, we're, we're, a bit we're of first of all, we weren't sleeping enough. Uh, yeah. I think that, that that last day I described, uh, I, like, lost my appetite. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know if my body went into survival mode. Sam ate a Twinkie and a fruit snack. That's oh all that he had ate by like eight o'clock when we finally went to bed and ate something. That's more. crazy. It's just like not feeling well. Well, C- Caleb and I had that same thing in Nebraska though. It's like, you're just so focused on the task yeah. at hand that your body's just like, nah, don't bother me with yeah. that other stuff. And I like, I wasn't, I was so tired, but I couldn't sleep well. Just because yep. I'm thinking about what do I need to do next? And like yep. all this. So, then we had the other pressure that we had is there was all these thunderstorms and we're like, we were dodging thunderstorms from here on out. It was right. like hundred percent thunderstorm, but in the mountains, it's like, yeah. oh, it's over here, it's over there. We're climbing under trees, putting rain gear off, taking it on, like yep. getting stuff wet. So that really then adds to the last of it. But so I'm just like, what do we do now? Yeah. Like I have no idea what to do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's just do something stupid. Because we've been seeing deer right yeah. on the trail. Let's just go back to the divide. It's the Continental Divide Trail. Yep. And like, let's just hike it. Just like a straight up hiker that's would. crazy. See what just like a still hunt. Yeah. yeah. Just, I was like, it sounds stupid, but like, that's how we've been seeing them. Yeah. So we hike like, I don't remember, seven miles or something. And we have it happen again where there's a switchback that goes into the next unit. And of course, mm-hmm. we take it because we don't want to climb up this sheer face. As right. soon as we get off our unit, like a hundred yards, huge melee jumps up. Oh my goodness! And we're like, "There's no way!" Like, are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> like, they know, man. They contrary know. to my bow hunt in Iowa, it's like we're getting so close, and like everything's going yep. wrong. Like, yep. so we get back to the truck, and I'm, I'm just. I was telling people before I was going for an adventure. Like we had yep. seen an adventure. We had seen a, we saw a giant moose, seen wolves, oh, like bighorn awesome. sheep, yeah. like everything we were seeing. Yeah. Everything you could want. Worn yeah. out. And I'm like, yep. maybe we just go home. Like <laughs> I don't want to hunt in the rain. 
No, I was like to that like defeated point. Yep. And the guy I'm with is like, I'm not hunting. Do whatever you want, you know? Ugh. And so I'm literally sitting in the truck like I have no hope. I'm yeah. just like, I don't know what to do, you know? Yeah. And this bow hunter comes up and hops in, getting ready to hop in his truck. And so I'm like, I better talk to him. So I hop out. I'm like, what are you hunting? He's like, elk. I'm like, do you have a deer tag? No. And I was like, I've got a deer tag. I wish I could give you some elk tips, but we'd yeah. only seen one cow. So I was like, I can tell yeah. you where not to go, but yeah. So we like sat there and chatted for a little bit. He's like, you seem pretty cool. So it's actually yeah. the guy works for a major, I'll protect his identity. His name's Ben, but he works for a major backpack company. Okay. And he had been there for like 40 days already. <sighs> and so he's like, dude, I know this area. So he's yeah. like, let me give you a couple pins. If you're not picky, you'll get one. And so we were yeah, like, incredible. Oh, man, thank you, like, you, man, you know? And you so I was like, hit the jackpot yeah, there. I was like, okay. So now we're like, we've got hope restored, right? Yeah. I, I think that's interesting in hunting, like how much you're, you can swing. You, you think, like, if you believe that there's a chance that you can make it yeah. happen, if you're excited about it, like yep. how much that mentality helps but anyways like almost manifest yeah so we get up the next morning and start hiking in there and there's deer everywhere like we saw 25 oh my deer maybe and they're just crossing hope you save that pin yeah (laughs) and he showed us a couple pictures he's like there's some huge ones in here like 180 inch muleys so at that point you had to be jacked at that getting to the end of the our time you know so i'm like i'm not gonna be picky but i was like Wish we would have started out with this intel, right, yeah. right? Yeah, who knows what you could have by this point. Yeah, so I passed a couple uh, in the morning, and then we got out to some heavy rocks. I mean, it was like super picturesque, top of the mountain yep. rocks, 2,500 feet elevation. And we glassed that the whole middle of the day and into like two hours left of light. Then we started hiking back. Sure. And we're just hiking along, and I look into the woods, and there's one standing there. And so I just, I just pull up and I didn't, I couldn't see his vitals at all, just neck and head. So I yeah. pull up and I'm like, buck, buck, buck right there. My buddy whips out his phone. And so I've got iPhone video. Oh, of it, that's you know? awesome. So I'm, I had to keep like moving to the side. Yeah. The and right he just stood opening. right there. And the only thing I could see was that front shoulder then quartering towards, which mm-hmm. that, that like high shoulder hits yeah. pretty devastating. And I shot, I think this is the only time it's ever happened to me where he was stone dead the second the bullet hit him. I mean, his head. That, you hit that nerve yeah, up there, right? But usually they like, you know, they'll, they'll, it takes him a while to expire. Right. You know, yeah. Without being too graphic he, about yeah, it. He was, he was but just his head dead. just like rolled back, relaxed, feet out of him, down, dead. That's I was crazy, like, man. are you kidding me? So That's three crazy. and a half miles from the truck. And it started raining while we were cutting them up. So we packed them out in the rain. But we were so pumped. Like, yeah, I have a little short video on my Instagram if you look at it. And, you, like, I love watching it because of my face. I'm <laughs> just like, yeah, yeah it's I'm fun just to like, see that. It's just you like see pure yourself, joy. Yeah, in, in, in a full <laughs> over, emotional Over state, this yeah. little tiny fork muley. <laughs> yep. Well, it's awesome, man. I mean, what a, what a story. And I love that it has all the drama and. And uh, I love that it's a happy ending because yeah. a lot of those stories, it, they don't end yeah, up being we were, that way, you it know? Was touch and go there for a while. <laughs> but also persistence pays off yeah. too, you know? That was something that Caleb talked about with with um, 
our hunt in Nebraska here recently, you know, he's like, well, we're going to get you a deer now. We're going to, you know, then, you know, before we leave tomorrow, you're going to find a shed. And yeah. and it's like, I don't know, Caleb, you know, this is, it seems like a pretty big ask, you know, or like some kind of miracle is going to have to take place here. But, you know, both things ended up happening. And so and sometimes it's good to just like sleep in one morning. Yeah. Or like one yep. of the days in there, we were so burnt that I was like, we're not going to make smart choices. Yeah. You know, like yep. I was like, tonight, let's just drive into town, which is like an hour away, and we'll just sleep in a cheap hotel, eat some yep. McDonald's, warm food. Yep. And like next morning, we're like, let's go. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just that rejuvenated. The, that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, what a, what an awesome story. Awesome deer. I love that it's got the velvet yeah. too. Um, that adds an interesting aspect of taking yes, care I've of Yes, I've heard it's very difficult yeah. to take care I of. I use, it's called Velvet Lock. It's just a spray. Okay. And it, so far, it's holding up good. That's awesome. But that's good to know. Well, better uh, than using formaldehyde and needles and stuff. Like, right, I don't yeah. want carrying that yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, just an incredible thing. You lived a dream. I think it's really, you know, a lot of credit goes to your friend too yeah, for yeah. just being willing to, like he said, go on a camping trip with you. But, um, you and I know. think like going into it too, like I, I sometimes I'll use this phrase with my friends, hunt scouting. Yeah. I was like, every time you're in the woods, it's an opportunity to learn. Yes. So definitely. Take, take those opportunities. And so even from going from that hunt, I've just been, thinking through it this whole fall like okay if i get a chance to go again this is what we're gonna do like yeah. we've got a few pieces of the puzzle now to work yeah. with and that's yeah you, yeah that's that's a good point too you know i think that's something a lot of people ignore is you know they're like oh the success rate is is whatever but like you said and people can definitely be still successful without previous experience there but if if um you know you you are able to get this trip where you go there you you learn some stuff take that information and you're like okay you know maybe i want to up the ante yeah. and I, I i only want to shoot a buck of this class right. how valuable that information is to you now as opposed to and, and e-scouting is great you know it's super helpful but you, I just it's also really important yeah. to know yeah, this is where My I can find success. My error with e-scouting, and I knew this, was that don't overestimate the scale of what you're looking at. Yeah. And I read that, but, like, when you get there, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this place is yeah, incredible. I'm used to picking up and deciphering 120 acres. You yeah. know, and now we're yeah. like, oh, I can hunt. Yeah. Well, this is a huge experience. 75 square miles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, so... Got in there, hunt the big country, uh, took what you could get, and and I'm so glad you ran into that yeah. person who kind of because it's not just like oh he shared these good yeah. well, waypoints, he, which I that's huge. That's the huge buck on the pin. That's incredible. Like within like 200 yards of where he dropped the pin. That's crazy. <laughs> well, you know it's yeah, it, it's, it's cool not it's not just great. Yeah, too. right. That's awesome. But but it's not just that, oh, good, we got a new good spot to hunt. I think it's a morale booster, too, just when you see someone else remaining positive yeah. about, oh, yeah, no, you still got a chance. Yeah. You know, sometimes we can just totally write that stuff off. Yeah. 
And, and, uh, no, I think, uh, I think that getting that little morale boost keeps us alert, keeps us in the field. And, um, just that, like, you know, that fight of of your mind and like hope and like all that challenge, you know, bowhunting and the difficulties that are in that, that's what like holds me to hunting. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, I agree. It's all part of the adventure. You've kind of talked about that different, different points uh, tonight. Do you want a nice quote? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, you got to read this book if you like bow hunting. Yeah. It's uh, hunting with a bow and arrow written by Saxton Pope in the 1920s. Okay. It's awesome. Like the stories in it are so outrageous. And basically these guys are resurrecting archery as like a, hunting form sure but yeah it's insane what they do but yeah to i quote definitely that. pope in the joy of hunting is intimately woven the love of the great outdoors the beauty of the woods valleys mountains and skies feeds the soul of the sportsman where the quest of game only whets his appetite mm. and i'm like mm, so good that is awesome <laughs> that's a that is a that is a great finish well thanks so much ronnie for sharing your story and you know makes me really want i know we just talked about which is cooler but it makes me really want to go back and, and i love what you did with a muzzleloader too muzzleloader is my my i love bow hunting but i think a muzzleloader is my favorite thing to hunt with that was you know, the first just, time i've ever killed well actually the second time i've killed one with the open sights so that was yeah, kind of a that, new yeah that's that's new aspect at those distances too some of those shots yeah. you know, you're and then about. of course i end up shooting one at like 40 yards yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's what you want, yeah. you know. You're almost it's a trade you're almost working you're almost working for that, yeah. you know, yeah. earlier in the week. But no, that's it's such a great story and and uh, I hope everyone who's listening is inspired by it, you know, to to maybe go out and leave your own comfort zone and try some some new things that that uh, you know, give you a chance to have a new trophy on the wall. But uh, yeah, so big thanks to Ronnie for, for coming to uh, record this one. And uh, you can follow him in the ways that we mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, do remember that this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is the best piece of hunting technology you can put in your pocket, other than maybe like a pocket knife. <laughs> um, it's it's uh, something that I use almost daily. I do so much scouting for new territory for not just hunting, but for shed hunting as well. The deer behavior prediction helps me balance the time that I'm going to go hunting with time that I need to be at home with my family. And uh, you can have all that for your own sake when you're going out hunting, trying to fill tags. Uh, You can find the link in these show notes, or if you go to my uh, bio on Instagram and click on my link tree, uh, one of the top links there. uh, will be for Spartan Forge. So you can get going on that yourself. Then also this uh, podcast is uh, supported by East to West Hunts. My good friend Alex Gruen of East to West Hunts. He has spent years um, helping people plan hunts like Ronnie's. And uh, as Ronnie said, you know, throughout the conversation, there was so much, I think a good word would just be flexibility required to make this a successful hunt. And Alex helps give you that um puts you in the right the the right position to um you know call the audible when you need to to make it happen and uh so you can go to eastwesthunts.com you can uh, request a free consultation with alex tell him what your hunt 
uh, plans are, how much planning you want him to do. Do you want him to apply for tags and, and uh, um, go through all the limited draw aspects uh, along with you? There's so much stuff there that Alex offers and even the gear rental, which is something that Caleb and I took advantage of for our hunt. And there's a lot of gear that's required for these trips. Some you're going to want to buy because you can use it over and over again. Other things you're like, I don't know if I'm going to really use this again. Great. Rent it. And, uh, you know, if you start using it a few times down the road, then yeah, probably need to buy some, buy one for yourself. But in the meantime, Alex, uh, offers that as well, which again makes these trips more doable, I think, from an expense standpoint. So, uh, definitely check out Alex. Go to eastwesthunts.com, request that free consultation. And, uh, before we recorded this one, Ronnie and I were talking about how bad taxidermy can just kind of sour the whole, the whole experience for you. And, uh, it's so critically important that after you go through the whole process, I mean, if you've done all the, the hard work, Get the last step right. Just be patient for a good taxidermist to, um, you know, be able to get to your your project and make it look like you want it to look. An old barn taxidermy is the place to have that done. I go there for all my taxidermy work. Do a phenomenal job. I look forward to going there because it's fun to visit. Uh, they have a great showroom, all kinds of people bringing their stuff there. People that you would, uh, if you follow hunting media at all, you'd probably recognize uh, some names around that shop. Um, but you can uh, find a link um, in the show notes for um, Old Barn Taxidermy as well. And uh, you don't want to get a trophy that doesn't look like a trophy. You want to get a, a high-quality, well-done job. Uh, if you're going to be paying that kind of money and you want to get that memorial made, um, go to Old Barn Taxidermy. You'll be so glad that you did. There isn't a better service out there in the taxidermy world than what Old Barn does. So definitely check them out. Again, find links for Spartan Forge, East to West Hunts, and Old Barn in these show notes. Well, thanks again, Ronnie, for for joining. Uh, such a great story. Excited for this one to release. And uh, also, I want to thank the listeners for tuning in every single episode. Love seeing you guys take interest in in what we have going on here at First Gen Hunter. If you have not yet left a five-star review, please do so. If you feel this podcast is worthy of it, we would greatly appreciate that here on our end. Well, until next time, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, take care and take someone hunting.